So we are going to begin our study tonight of a journey into the spirit world. And uh, if you picked up one of the sheets at the Welcome Center, you saw the list of, of subjects that we'll be dealing with. And uh, tonight we are going to begin with the original spirit. We, you know, in anything that we do, just like when I started Revelation, which seems like years ago, um, you know, we talked about laying a foundation and we talked about making sure that we have a solid foundation before we get into studying prophetic events. And, and then we built upon that foundation as we went. This same applies to any subject matter that you deal with, um, especially a subject matter such as this, where uh, we're going to be delving into areas uh, within Scripture um, that are very real um, and, and, and somewhat can be intriguing uh, to us um, and how to combat them, especially when we begin to talk about the enemy and, and other areas of the spirit world. And so uh, I want you to know that my goal in this study at no point will, um, Lord willing, will, should you be afraid or be scared or concerned about the subject matter, uh, because the Bible says that he's not given us the spirit of fear. Um, and it tells us no matter what that God is sovereign. He, is, uh, uh, he is, uh, knows everything that's going on. And just as we find in the book of Job, nothing can happen without the Lord, uh, Lord knowing it's going to happen and actually granting it to happen. And so um, we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. And uh, we also know after we've studied the book of Revelation that the Christian and the church has won uh, because of Jesus Christ and that our ultimate uh, destination is heaven. And so no matter what happens um, in this world, um, we, are, we, are, we are not uh, bound by it. We, we do not have to be concerned uh, with, the, with the end of uh, uh, the spirit world destroying us or anything like that, we enter into it knowing that we have the victory, which is why we start with the original spirit tonight. So if you have your outline, we're going to start right at the top. Um, tonight is not going to be one of those nights where I say, okay, uh, turn in your Bibles and we're going to read a passage of scripture. Uh, there is scripture uh, intermitted in, into this whole outline as we go, lots of scripture. And uh, so we're just going to take them piece by piece um, as we go. We're now beginning a fast, by the way, if you have not been here on Wednesday nights, um, you have your outline in front of you. You also have everything on the screen. There are a few blanks throughout it. You'll see those up on the screen as well and uh, as we take our journey. We're now beginning a fascinating journey into the spirit world. It is the totally real but invisible world all around us, a world inhabited by God, a world inhabited by Satan, a world inhabited by angels, and a world inhabited by demons. Now, many of you today understand the spirit world of who God is because you've encountered him. You also understand the enemy, and you understand who he is. One of the most intriguing subjects, um, especially um, some time ago, uh, probably now 10 or 12 years ago, whenever a book was written um, about angels, it, it Angels became a very hot topic, and, and, uh, and, and we wonder about where angels are and where they play into the realm of Christianity. So a lot of people um, are very intrigued by angels, and we'll talk about those. And then, of course, if you're going to talk about angelic beings, then you have to talk about those that are non-angelic beings, and those are the demons. And again, I don't want that to scare you, um, and, uh, but I think it's important that we have a good, rounded understanding of the spirit world. And so tonight we start 
with, uh, with God, uh, the Holy Spirit being the, the original spirit. As we explore the spirit world, we will also look at heaven and hell and the eternal homes of all spirits. Any study of the spirit world must begin with the original spirit and creator of all things, of, uh, 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 and creator of all things, which is God. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1, in the beginning what? By the way, on Wednesday nights, we talk back, so it's okay, all right? Um, in the beginning what? God created the heavens and the earth, the heaven and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Do you believe that God created everything? Okay. If you really believe that, then that means that God created everything within the spirit world as well. Everything was created by God. In the beginning, God. This is a huge, huge, important thought. You say, Pastor, this is easy for us. We, we are, uh, I, I'm imagining most of you here are creationists, and, and you believe in the beginning of God creating everything. And uh, you said, that's easy uh, to understand. Can I tell you that, that in the world itself, creationism is not uh, uh, the most popular, upheld understanding of, the, uh, of how our world began. And so people get mixed up in things because they don't understand the very first verse in the Bible. In the beginning, God. And uh, the reason that we understand that and know that is because God has always been. God, God was not created. Um, God was, was, has been here from the very beginning of time, and he will be here until the end of time. Can I explain that? No. My mind just gets blown when I think about it. You know, and then I translate that into my own self and I say, the Bible tells me to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord and then I'm going to live forever. That's hard for me to comprehend. How about you? I mean, forever is huge, right? And so in the beginning, God. So if God is the originator of everything and not only is he the originator, but he is the one that's in charge of it all, then if that's what I truly believe, then I know this, that I have victory in the one that created everything. Let me take it a step further. Not only do I have victory in it, but I can have victory over anything in the world. Right? You know, sometimes we get... Uh, uh, we get so bogged down with pressures and temptations and problems and, and, and all this kind of stuff. And we wonder, how am I ever going to overcome it? Can I remind you of something? That God has already overcome it. If he is the creator and the originator of this world. And, and, and you can have victory over anything in your life. This means that the very beginning, God already existed in eternity past. He existed before time, he existed before space, he existed before matter. Now there are five things we should know about our eternal God, the original spirit. Some of these you've probably learned about and, 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 and have information about. And so maybe it's a good review. For others of you, you may have never even understood or heard these terms before. And so I'd like to explain them to you as a beginning stage. Number one in your outline, God is a trinity. God is a trinity. God is a trinity, which means he is tri-unity. That's what it means. To be a trinity means that he is tri-unity. 
unity. Or he is three in one. He is three in one. Now, this is perhaps the most difficult doctrine in the Bible to understand. Someone has said, if you try to explain the Trinity, you will lose your mind. But if you deny it, you will lose your soul. Boy, that's good, isn't it? If you try to explain it, you'll lose your mind. Uh, But if you deny it, you'll lose your soul. We serve a triune God. He is three in one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He is three in one. There are a lot of beliefs and a lot of doctrine and a lot of false doctrine about the Trinity. And we could spend the next seven years talking about them all. And by the time we all left here, we'd all be confused. What I love about the Word of God is this. Are you ready? I can take it for what it is and believe it. That's what I love about it. You say, Pastor, how can you do that? Because the word of God has been tried and tested through the years. And if it's tried and tested through the years, it's been challenged. People have tried to overtake it. People have tried to deny it. People have tried to say that it is just another book. Listen, it has been tried and tested through the years. And even though I may not completely understand everything about it, such as something like the Trinity, I can trust it. I can trust it. I heard somebody once, once say this, um, if you can't trace God's hand, you can trust his heart. When you can't trace God's hand, you can always trust his heart. And, and when we look at all of these ideas and, and, and things that are happening in the word of God that maybe we don't completely understand, we can still trust it. The word Trinity is not found in the Bible, but the truth of it permeates scripture. Um, in only one place in the Bible are all three personalities of the Trinity revealed at the same time. Last uh, time we got together and we were talking about things, we learned that the rapture is not a term that we find in the Bible. Such as this, the Trinity is not found in the Bible, but the concept permeates all of Scripture. Um, it, it, where we find all three of them is that Jesus' baptism... When Jesus comes up out of the water, the heavens open and Jesus sees the spirit of God descending like a dove and lightning on him. We find that in Mark chapter 3 and verse number 16. So we have Jesus who is what part of the Trinity? Good. He's God the Son. And then we have the spirit descending like a dove. Who is the spirit? The Holy Spirit. And then what happens in verse 17? And lo, a voice from heaven saying... This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Who is this speaking? God the Father. It is the only time in the word of God that all three, pardon me, all three personalities are revealed at the same time. It is very difficult to understand divine math. In our math, one plus one equals two, right? I'm teaching my kindergartner that right now. However, that is not true of divine math. John chapter 10 and verse number 30, this is what the Bible says. I and my Father are one. I and my Father are one. In divine math, one plus one equals one. However, there is even more. In divine math, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit do not equal three, but one, because the Holy Spirit is also God. 
I, I, I want to touch on this just quickly. We don't have a lot of time to do it, but I want to touch on it for just a moment. Um, there is a belief, and, and maybe you've heard about it. Um, there is a belief that, yes, God is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But there are actually three different modes. Or they actually have three different, uh, 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 literally, beings. And, and so, therefore, they are not one. Can I tell you something? that do not buy into any belief other than the fact that they are one and they're all God. They're all God. Some have tried to explain it. When Ananias sells some land and gives a portion of the proceeds to the church, he pretends to give it all. If you remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Therefore, Peter tells him, uh, Satan has filled his heart to lie to the Holy Ghost. Then still referring to the Holy Ghost, Peter says something in Acts chapter 5 and verse number 4, which is a great thought. He says this, while it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not thine own power, not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thy heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but thou hast lied unto God. There have been many attempts to explain the Trinity through illustrations. For example, they say a man can be a trinity, uh, like myself. He can be a son, I'm a son. He can be a husband, which I find myself being a husband. And I also find myself being a father. But can I tell you something? That that may, the, the trinity illusion of me being a son, a husband, and a father does not even come close to comparing God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It just doesn't come close. Some have illustrated it as an egg, which is three in one with a shell, a white, and a yolk. Um, other illustration is water, which can be ice, liquid, and steam. However, can I tell you, these all fall miserably short because there is not a person, there's not an egg, um, there's not an element in the entire world that compares to God. It's just not. There is nothing in this world which to compare him. That is why the Trinity is beyond human comprehension. But this is what I do know. The Bible tells me that there's God the Father. It tells me that Jesus is sitting on the right hand of the Father. And it tells me that the Holy Spirit of God indwells me. And then there's one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. I know you, many of you that have heard me speak have, told, have heard me tell you about that word power. That word power in the Greek comes, uh, is the word dynamos, which is where we get our English word dynamite. In other words, the Holy Spirit of God is dynamite inside of us. We have, and this is what I want you to understand before we move on. We have the same power within God as Paul did. We have the same power within us as John did. We have the same power within us as the disciples. We have the same power within us as you look at all of the heroes of the Bible. Because we have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of us. It's hard to explain the idea of the Trinity. But this is what we know, is that God is exuding himself as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Number two, God is omnipresent. God is omnipresent. 
I don't want these words to scare you, um, but they're, and, they, and they may be, if you break them down, basically this is what we have. Um, the next three characteristics of God begin with the prefix, our prefix, omni, which means unlimited. So when we talk about being omnipresent, it means that God is everywhere at once. Now that's hard to understand too, right? It's hard. How can God be everywhere at one time? So here I am. Uh, on this Wednesday night, and here we all are, and we're preaching, and we're teaching, and all of us have the Holy Spirit living inside of us that are saved, right? Okay? My brother tonight is in New Jersey, Millville, New Jersey, at Maranatha Baptist Church, and he's got a group of people just like us, and he's standing up right now, and he's teaching. I don't know what he's teaching on, but he's teaching, and the Holy Spirit's there too, and God is there too, Right? Pastor Salvador, who is over in Romania, that I know very well, he, about five hours ago, was standing in a room with some people, and God was there too. Now, can I remind you of something? That if God is always present, that means that he's always present. No matter what we're doing... God is present. No matter where we're at, God is present. We cannot ask God to go on vacation for a few moments while we go do what we want to do. Right? He's always present. And we love that thought because, you, you, you know, tragedy occurs in our life and immediately what do we do? We start praying and, and we know that we can immediately call upon God because he's always present. But he's always present not only in tragedy, he's also present in terrific. He's present all the time. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. Our great triune God permeates all of creation, holding everything together. Psalm 139, 8. If I ascend up into heaven, what does it say? Thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold. What do you think about that for a moment? That will blow your mind. He's ascend. If you ascend into heaven, he's there. If you go into hell, he is there. He is everywhere. I didn't make that up. That's what the psalmist said. Heaven is the highest possible place and hell is the lowest possible place. Together they cover all of creation. Because God is omnipresent, he is always close when we need him. He's always there. He is available, always available and never far away. That's why after Moses' death, the Lord makes this promise to Joshua. In Joshua chapter 1 and verse number 5. There should not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee and I will not forsake thee. Forsake thee. You know the great thing about God? Is when we feel like that we're all alone, we never are. Did you hear me? When we feel like we're all by ourselves, when we feel like nobody cares, nobody loves, we're all by ourselves, we never are. We have a friend in Jesus. You know, I have kids, so you have to excuse this next thought, but I, I love Toy Story. Especially one in three. Two wasn't too hot about, but one in three was good. 
But there's a song in Toy Story that says, you've got a friend in. Right? Look, you're singing it. I love it. And now it's going to be stuck in your head for the rest of the night. You've got a friend in me. And you know what? I know they weren't thinking about God when they were talking about that song. But I almost think that's a perfect correlation with who God is. When he says, hey, when it feels like everyone else has deserted you, you've got a friend in me. Can you imagine John being exiled on the Isle of Patmos all by himself? Guess what? He had a friend. Can you imagine uh, uh, Paul in prison all by himself? He had a friend. Can you imagine us when it feels like our world is falling apart and we're sitting in a room all by ourselves and we're weeping and we're crying? We've got a friend. And his name is Jesus. And he says this. I will not, what's the next word? Fail thee, nor forsake thee. Because God is omnipresent, there is no place where God is not with us. And therefore, there is nothing for us to fear. God is with us wherever we go, even, though the, even through the valley of the shadow of death. Number three, not only is God omnipresent, God is omniscient. God is omniscient. There's that omni word again. God is omniscient. The word omniscient means that God's knowledge is unlimited or endless. Because God knows everything, past, present, and future, we don't have to worry about anything. God knows everything about the most distant star in the universe. Psalm 147.4 says, He telleth the number of the stars, he calleth them all by their names. I think that's kind of cool. If you want me to be perfectly honest. I really, when I, first time I read this verse, this is what I thought. And I think I have it written in my Bible. I, I thought, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask the Lord what the stars' names are. <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, he's got them all named. And, and another thing that I've realized about God is that there are, there are billions of people on this earth. And he knows them all by name too. Wow. And then as we learn in the book of Revelation, we're going to have a new name that nobody even knows yet. Listen, he knows everything. And he's in charge of it all. God knows more about our bodies than we do and more than any other doctor can determine through endless testing. He knows the smallest details. He knows everything about us. Even though the quantity changes daily or even hourly, God has every hair on our head numbered. And he even knows the color. Right? Some, some are more difficult to count than others. Some of us have more to count than others. He knows everything about us. Listen to me, that should be comforting to you. It should be comforting to you. You know, whenever we make that doctor visit and we don't know what's going to happen, can I remind you, God already knows. When we walk into a life-changing event and we don't know how it's all going to turn out, I remind you, God already knows. And all we have to do is trust Him. You say, Pastor, 
can I be honest with you? That's harder than it sounds. And I would say to you, that's probably true. Because we are flesh. We are people that think that we can handle the circumstance and the situation. But I don't know about you, but I'd rather put my circumstances and situations into somebody's hands that knew how it was going to turn out rather than somebody's hands that was just living day by day and situation by situation. He knows everything. God is omniscient. We never have a, pro- we never have a problem that takes God by surprise. God also knows everything about how we live. Uh, excuse the redneck term there, but we can't hoodwink or deceive him. I'm sorry, I just had to put that in there. I apologize. Uh, we, we can't deceive God. He knows who we are. After Peter denies the Lord three times, Jesus gives him opportunity to confess him by asking three times if he loves him. The third time, Jesus asks Peter if he loves him. This is what Peter says. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? The Bible says Peter was grieved because he said it unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, <coughs> excuse me, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, feed my sheep. One of my favorite stories in the Bible. I'm going to tell you why. It's because this really gets me, but I, I, this, this probably may be my favorite. You say, Pastor, where Peter denied Christ? Yeah. And I'm going to tell you why. Peter denied Christ three times. And even on the third time, he denied him by cursing to try to convince the people that he did not know who God was. And the cock crew, and there was Peter weeping bitterly, the Bible says. And then Jesus comes to him, and he asks him three questions, but they were all the same questions. Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me, Peter? Do you really love me, Peter? And, of course, Peter said, yes. And Jesus didn't say, well, let me tell you what you did wrong. Jesus didn't say, let me condemn you for your sin. Jesus didn't say, well, I can, you can never be used by me again because you denied me and you even went as far as cursing my name. I can never use you again, Peter, because of your sin and because of your past. I can never do that, Peter. No, that's not what God said. That's not what Jesus said. You know what Jesus said? He said, Peter, go be a pastor. That's what he said. Go feed my sheep. Peter, we're not going to dwell and we're not going to condemn and we're not going to tell you everything that you did wrong. You know what we're going to tell you? Pick yourself up and go to work. I'm not condemning you. What am I doing? I'm encouraging you. I'm telling you, it's time to get busy doing the Lord's work. Listen to me, church. I don't know any of you sitting in this room. Maybe you have, but have cursed literally the name of Jesus, trying to deny him in such a way like Peter did. And yet... We sit in our rooms and in our homes and we dwell on the fact of our past and we say, how can God possibly use me because of my past? You know what God is saying? Go feed my sheep. 
Stop living in all this. I don't know how you got me stirred up about this, but here it comes. Just stop living in your past. Peter, today it's time to overcome. Go feed my sheep. Can I tell you something else that's cool? Peter went, he preached on the day of Pentecost, and thousands were added to the church. You remember the story? Let me tell you something about this. this. That part really gets me, but this part's even better. Are you ready? I've read all about Peter's life from this point on. I even took a class and studied his life and wrote a, a, a whole document about it. Do you know not one time after this moment did God ever say, Peter, do you remember when you denied me? Never. God never brought it up again. You know who brings it up? The enemy. Us. Right? We bring it up. God doesn't bring it up. God said the third time, okay, Peter, go feed my sheep. And God said, that was it. Oh, by the way, Peter, let me anoint you. And uh, let's have more saved on one day in history than has ever been saved before. And maybe ever saved after at one event. And by the way, Peter, I'm going to give you enough preaching material that they can come to church daily. Because the Bible says they were added to the church daily. Don't tell me. That God can't use me because of my past. This is what I say to that. I say God wants to use us in spite of our past. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let me remind you of something. I don't know why you got me preaching. Let me remind you of something. Yesterday was your past. I'm not just talking about something that happened to you 10 years ago. I'm talking about you may have made a mistake yesterday. You may have messed up yesterday and you say to yourself, how can God forgive me and use me? The past is as early as yesterday. And the future is as early as now. Oh, now. Oh, there it is again, now. God can use me right now if he wants to. God knows everything. He knows all about our problems, our health, our finances, our relationship. He knows how our problems can sometimes be so discouraging and even frightening. Oh, there's Peter again. Let's see what what he says. Casting all of your care upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. I've preached to you about this a hundred times. Being a fishing term and just literally casting it out on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Number four, and I've got to hurry. God is omnipotent. God is omnipotent. I don't want to go too fast. I want to make sure you can get that. God is omnipotent. This means God is all, what's the next word? Powerful. This is what God reveals to Abraham when he says, I am God almighty. Therefore, if God is all powerful, then God can do the impossible. If he's all powerful, then God can do the impossible. For example, when the angel Gabriel announces to Mary, she will have a child and is to call his name Jesus. Mary, of course, is very confused. Therefore, she asks, how can this be since she was a virgin? Luke chapter 1 and verse 34. Mary was the first person to doubt the virgin birth. And, and Gabriel responds in Luke 1 37. He says, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. Nothing shall be impossible. 
We look at circumstances and situations in our lives and we say, how is this even going to be possible? And then we need to realize that for with God, nothing shall be impossible. But I want you to notice it's important that we understand those first three words. For with God, it's important that he is the one that we talk to and that we trust. I stated earlier, since God is omniscient, we never have a problem that takes God by surprise. And since he's omnipotent, we never have a problem that is impossible for him to solve. However, we must realize God has a divine purpose for every problem he allows us to have. He has a purpose for every problem that he allows us to have. Do you see that? You know, I've had many people come and talk to me and they'll say, Pastor... I don't know why God allowed this to happen in my life. I don't know why God uh, arranged this by the sovereignty of God to happen. I don't understand it. And you know what the truth of the matter is? Is I don't have the answer of why. But I do have the response. And this is what it is. God allows things to happen in our lives so that we can receive victory and help others that are going through the exact same thing. Do you realize with the billions of people that are on the face of this earth, there is at least one other person that has dealt with the same thing that you have? They have. They've dealt with the same circumstances. They've dealt with the same situations. And, and, and our job as Christians... Is, is that we have the privilege and the opportunity as God pours into us that we take that and pour it into other people. We pour our lives out. You know, um, it, it, it's kind of like this. Here comes my flesh, all right? You ready? Here it comes. I love a good Pepsi. And everybody said amen, I know. We're in Coke country. I get it. I understand. I love a good Pepsi. And you know, when you get that can of Pepsi, and, and, and I don't like to drink it out of the can, and so I like to drink it out of a glass. And so I'll go to the cupboard, and I'll get a glass, and I'll set it down. And the first thing I'll do is I'll put ice in it. And then I'll set it down. And then I'll start pouring. And then I get really upset if the glass gets full before the can is done pouring. Because I want every last drop. I'm just telling you the truth. It's my flesh, all right? So what do I do? I take the glass and I go, and I pour the rest of it in before I throw it away. That is exactly what we are to do as Christians. We come to church, we read our Bibles, we pray. God works in our hearts and our lives and he fills us up and he fills us up. We got two choices. Either we can just overflow and keep overflowing and eventually get flooded. Or we can pour our lives into somebody else and empty ourselves so that God can fill us up again. And then he fills us up and we pour ourselves out. That is what we are to do. You see, he has a divine purpose for every problem he allows us to have. Therefore, when we ask God to help us with our problems, he would do one of two things. This is important for us as Christians to know, and you probably already know this, but he'll do one of two things. He'll either remove the problem or give us the grace to live with it. 
Someone once said this. They said either God will remove the problem or he'll take you by the hand and walk you through it. You remember Paul? He asked God three times to remove the thorn in their flesh. By the way, that's, yeah, that's not 1289. Um, that's 128 um, in 2 Corinthians. Um, there's not 89 verses in that chapter. Um, sorry about that. Um, but God asked, uh, or Paul asked God to remove that thorn in the flesh three times, and God did not. What did God do? God gave him the grace to go through it. Sometimes we need to be relieved of a problem, but sometimes we need to keep the problem because problems keep us humble. Second Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 7. They also develop our character and they accelerate spiritual growth. And you can go home and look at all of those verses. Because God has unlimited power, so do our prayers of faith. Jesus expresses this in Mark chapter number 9. Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Number five, and I'll be done. God is immutable. God is immutable. What does that mean, pastor? What does it mean that God is immutable? This means we can count on God to always be the same. He'll always be the same. Malachi chapter 3 and verse number 6. For I am the Lord God. I change not. I change not. We serve an immutable God. He is a God that does not change. All right. So what does that mean for us? That means that God will walk through the fire with us just as he walked through the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. For I am God, I change not. That means that God will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He will always be there for us. That means that when I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, that he sealed me, he secured me, I can't lose my salvation, for I change not. That means that God is always going to be there. God is always going to know everything. God is going to help me, for I am the Lord, I change not. We often talk about the, the fact that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. That's who God is. He doesn't change. That also means that he, if he really doesn't change, then his Bible, the word of God that he gives to us, does not change. Right? We don't have the option to go and pull out what's good for us and hide the rest of it away. It's all there. He gave us what we need in order to be successful in our Christian life. And that's his word. And that's a prayer relationship with him. For I am the Lord, I change not. While everything in our world is constantly changing, it is great to know someone we can count on to never change. Our awesome, incomparable God. Why doesn't God change, is the question. Why is he immutable? Because he is what? And you can't improve on perfection. He's perfect. And there's no way that you can improve on that. So that's why he doesn't change. Since God never changes, we can always depend on him. When I used to go to camp 
the last night of camp. It was this huge auditorium, and everybody would stand around. There's seven, eight hundred, nine hundred of us, and we'd all grab hands, and we'd sing the song, Lean on me. Do you know that song? If you didn't say yes, I don't believe you. I just want you to know that. It says, lean on me when you're not strong, right? Lean on me. And I'll help you carry on, right? And you know what? Here's, this is what I want you to get out of this. Listen. We can always depend on God. We can always lean on him. Now, I'm going to bring it really down to earth for just a moment. And I've, I've said this to individuals, but I've never said this corporately, as I'm about to do. There is nothing more that I desire as a pastor than to have a church that leans on each other. I didn't say that talks about each other. Are you with me? That leans on each other. Whenever things are hard, whenever things are, whenever I'm having personal struggles with my own life that I don't even want to tell anybody about, I want to know that there is a place that I can really lean on somebody. It starts with God leaning on him. Because there's something about God that you may not have ever thought about. You can always lean on him because he will never fall. He is very stable and secure. And boy, wouldn't it be great to not be known as the biggest church? Not to be known as the church with the most money. Not to be known as the church with the best social club. But to be known as the church where you can walk in and you can lean on somebody. Right? Where... where, where we are all literally brothers and sisters in Christ. Not just a title that we throw around. Being a church that we lean on one another. There is not the slightest variation in God. He is eternally the same. Even when we fail him as Peter did, his love for us is not diminished in the slightest. That's why we have what 2 Timothy chapter number 2 It says, if we believe not, yet he abideth what? Faithful. Even if we don't believe, he still abideth faithful. There are many more wonderful and changing, excuse me, attributes of our magnificent God that time and space will not permit us to consider. Even if we did, our awesome God would still be beyond the ability of our finite minds to comprehend. However, we can get just a glimpse of his glory in the Bible, which reveals that God is a trinity. He is omnipresent, he is omniscient, he is omnipotent, and he is immutable. So there's the first foundational uh, lesson of our series. My prayer is, is that you'll take this home. This is always what I desire. I don't ever want you to walk away on a Wednesday night and say, I believe everything Pastor Lee said because he said it. I want you to go home and I want you to find out and, and, and try it 
and make sure that what's being taught, what's being, uh, what you are comprehending is the truth. That's what we call individual Bible study. That is you taking uh, uh, the notes and things that you have and the, and the passages of Scripture that you have and comparing them and studying them and, and, and talking to God about them. I believe that this journey that we're going to be on into the spirit world can be a journey that could help you grow immensely. Not only grow in your knowledge, but grow in your faith, grow in your love for Christ, um, grow in your, in, in your trust of who he is. And just be a wonderful asset to you as you continue to walk your Christian life. Are there any questions tonight before we go? Any questions? Good. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for our time that we've had together. Thank you for each individual that's here this evening. Lord, I pray that they were encouraged. I pray that um, your word of God, the word of God will penetrate us. And Lord, that we will just see how really awesome you really are and how amazing that you are and that you have us um, and, 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 and you, you, we are entrusted to you and we have to put our complete uh, faith and trust and, and everything abides in you. And Lord, I pray that you'll help us to do that. I pray that we'll put our whole confidence in you because of how much you love us and care for us. Lord, we love you. But Lord, we most of all, we thank you for loving us. For it's in your precious and holy son's name we pray. Amen. God bless you, church. Have a wonderful evening.